This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks show number 534, recorded on May 12th, 2022. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way in here. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios, which again is in a stormy Bellevue, Nebraska. We've got some thunderstorms rolling through, uh, but I've got Aaron Lawrence with me here tonight. Aaron, uh, how's it looking? You're a Canadian and you're used to maybe questionable weather. Are we going to be okay as the storm is rolling through? What do you think? I sure hope you are, because I don't know if I can take the reins if we lose power and lose you and how long that could last for. So hopefully it's going to blow out on you and you won't have to worry about it too much. I think we'll be okay. Uh, Ryan Kirshner is, is in the, um, uh, is in the chat. He says storm season. He's down in Kansas and they, they get it first and then it comes to us. So he's, he's still there. I uh. think we're going to be okay. So of course we post the show with the world-class show now. It's out at the average guy TV. Big thanks to Paul Brayern who joined us last week. Always great to have Paul on and a wealth of information. If you haven't, gone back and listened to 533 you should a little bit extra long but you know paul always brings great content so paul thanks for coming on last week and then big 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 thanks and this is going to tie into the show chris uh colnane uh, sent me some more island coffee we'll talk a little bit about this you know this is the coffee that powers ask the podcast coach on saturday mornings this is what i drink aaron um island coffee e-i-l-a-n-d cover that up there out of richardson texas uh, Chris sent me Green Room, which is just my absolute favorite. And then he also sent me um, Espresso Delicato. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Delicato. That's beautiful packaging. Isn't it great? Beautiful colors, nice wrap, looks good. Whole beans. If if uh, you judge a coffee by the wrapper, I'd buy yeah. it. They do a nice job. E-I-L-A-N-D. Listen, if you're kind of a coffee snob, these guys are doing some of the best. They're not paying me to do this. They, Chris is just out of the goodness of his heart, sent me the coffee, right? Um, uh, you should try them out. E-I-L-A-N-D. Island Coffee, Richardson, Texas. They'll ship. I get it shipped here, and, uh, and I get a couple pounds at a time. Chris, thanks for sending that coffee over. Um, Aaron, you're a big coffee drinker, right? And recently you... <laughs> Uh, did a review that didn't go so well around <laughs> coffee. Can you talk a little bit about that? This may be the worst review in oh. Tech Gadgets Canada history. Do, well, wait a minute. Do do you are you saying like don't you do you ever get kind of you you said it's a dud? That's hard for reviewers. It's it isn't hard to review to give it bad review. So when it is bad, it's really bad, right? It it was really bad, and the big problem with this device is it didn't make coffee. So oh. it's an espresso machine. This is, uh, we're talking about the Mila CM6, also known as the 6360. Uh, and it's a super automatic espresso machine. So what these are supposed to do is you pop the beans in a hopper in the top, you fill up the tank with water, you press a button and out comes your espresso. And this one had a, a milk jug i guess and it would also feed the milk in if you like the espresso based drinks with milks like lattes and stuff Mm -hmm. trouble is i did not get even one single ounce of espresso out of this device so 
I had read when I bought it. I bought it off Amazon. And I, there was a couple of reviewers, you know, just folks, average people that said, I couldn't make this work. There was something, it got into some kind of loop and it just wouldn't work. And I thought, come on, these are, these are folks, they're not tech bloggers. They don't know what I know. I can get anything to work. So I got it home, unpacked it and, you know, go through the setup sequence, which you usually have to do. You choose your language, you put it on Wi-Fi so you can, you know, make remote espresso from your smartphone. Because why, why wouldn't you? Why of wouldn't course, you? <laughs> you're sitting in the living room, you want a coffee? By the time you get up, it's there. This is possible, supposedly possible with this machine. And in the setup sequence, there is a place you get to where if you touch the wrong button or the wrong selection in the menu, it puts you into this descaling sequence. So, and what it wants to do is clean the machine. So it wants you to add a cleaning tablet, refill the tank, run this cleaning sequence, and then it's supposed to pick up where it left off. So I thought, again, I'm a tech blogger. I can figure this out. We'll run this descaling sequence and it'll be fine. Except it's not. Mm. So it went through the descaling sequence about four times. There was absolutely no way to exit the sequence. So again, I think, well, this is simple. I'll call Mila customer service and they will just tell me what to do to get it out of this sequence. Except they can't. So <laughs> the the very nice customer service agent, I will say they were <laughs> quite kind, mm -hmm. but admitted there was nothing they could do. There's nothing I can do. There's no ability to reset this on the device or to exit the sequence. So the only options available to me were to ship the machine back and try ordering a new one or take it myself to an authorized Mila service dealer, which at that point was two hours away from my location. So I was kind of flabbergasted. I've never been in a position where an hour out of the box, the device doesn't even do the thing the only thing that it's supposed to do. Yeah. So I was pretty frustrated with that, Jim. In all honesty, that was that's probably one of the worst review experiences I've had. And you're just stuck. And, and I, I really pity the folks that get a couple months into this, but you know, maybe they don't touch that wrong button in the setup sequence and they get three or six months down the road. Or they like opt to skip the descaling when it comes up and they just keep making coffee and then eventually they have to do it and it's out of warranty bricks and it. then they're stuck. Yeah, it's a $2,000 machine, it. right? It was, I paid $2,200 for it. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, and I, I, sh I give a huge shout out to Amazon on this. They took it back, no questions asked, refunded my money right away. And I, I put it out to my YouTube audience and my social media audience and I said, you know, should I try again? Based on the other reviews, this is not an uncommon problem. This is a known issue that Mila hasn't dealt with. So should I just roll the dice and try again? Or should I throw in the towel? And pretty much universally, everybody said, it's a dud, forget it. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe because it's firmware in the, you know, if this is going to be Wi-Fi enabled, it's got some kind of board in there. And if it's 
programmed to do that for this one that you know sounds like no matter what you get down the road had you planned to keep it um then were you buying it to not only do a review but to kind of hold on to it long term you're hoping it would be your yeah i mean i'm looking i'm in the market for one of those machines and i would love to have something that you know that can deliver on the quality the speed the ease of use and in all honesty the design too because the <laughs> It's my dog, no Rainy. Worries. No worries. The design was a big thing. Yeah. Um, I love the white plastic look on it. Hang on, Jims. One yeah. sec. Yeah. Rainy, yeah, come no here. worries. Come inside. Come here. The door is slightly ajar, and she's too timid to push it open. So she wants me to go. I'm just gonna go, go open. Go, door. and I'll just edit this part out. Yeah, no, no worries. <laughs> okay. No worries. Or, or I won't. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> you can or cannot. It's up to you. This is this is real podcast life, yeah, and that's I mean, Rainy, the Mexican Wonder Dog. Well, no, no worries. It's all good. So you were hoping, you were kind of hoping it would be. You did a little research. You were kind of hoping it'd be the one, but what a bummer that doesn't seem like it'll be able to deliver. That's got to be a big miss. Yeah, and I I was actually also really surprised that no one from Mila reached out to offer a suggestion or say, Hey, there's a new model coming or we're rebuilding the firmware in this or, you know, whatever. Right. Right. But, you know, I guess they've, they've got many other unhappy customers to deal with at this point. Yeah. That's well in that market, you know, you think that that price point, they probably don't sell a ton of them, right? This isn't a, you know, this isn't a $50 Wi-Fi router or something yeah. along those it's lines. Not a, it's not a Keurig and it's not yeah. an Espresso, which you can right. get for, you know, 50 yeah. or 100 bucks. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know, we've been using an Espresso now for a couple years. And that has just become such a drop-dead good device to just use. Make a quick Espresso, make a quick cup of coffee. Very delicious. And it, it, you know, you get kind of the froth, um, the, cr- the creme, right? From when they make Crema, it, they yeah. Spin, yeah, they spin it. And what I like to do is I drink it down to just a little bit left and then I add my perked coffee to it. And it almost, it mm. almost creates that same experience for the second cup. So you get two in a row. So have you, um, you think you'll, are you looking for a different brand? Are you going to go back to something different or what are you going to do? I've tried it. I've tried a couple other ones. I've tried a Jura, which is another quite expensive one. I bought a used one of those off a friend several years ago and had it for many years. And it was great. But the only problem with it was, was it was quite large. It has a really big footprint. So I wanted something, we renovated our kitchen. I wanted something a little smaller, a little less obtrusive, a little more compact. So I've been experimenting with a couple of the Philips super automatic espresso machines. And those have been great. They don't brick. They make coffee. They steam milk. Uh, the quality is quite good. They're very adjustable um, and have been quite reliable. Their price range is more around, I think, depending on the model, it's around $1,000 or so. I think you can get them for, you know, between 9 and 15 depending on what you want out of them. But those have been quite reliable, too. And then... I've been a bit disillusioned in the last few weeks. So I've just gone back to my sturdy old Nespresso pod machine. And like you say, it's those machines are workhorses. The coffee is consistently great. And I don't know, at this point, I'm like, you know what? It ain't broke. Don't fix it. 
Yeah. Wait. And they, yeah, it's not broke. Yeah. Don't fix <laughs> it, right. Yeah. And they, they haven't raised prices yet, which has been great. Like that, you know, with everything inflation wise, they, their coffee prices have stayed the same so far, which is great. Their delivery is great. $40. You buy $40 worth of coffee and you get free shipping. At least here in the United States, I'm sure maybe it's a thousand dollars in Canada. <laughs> it's very close to that. Yes, <laughs> to get it, to get it there. And uh, I have one at home and one at work. And so if I mm. run out of pods in either place, I can swap them. You know, I can throw a sleeve in my backpack or whatever. Going back in more, that one at work sat for two years and did mm. nothing. So right. we ran the clean, we ran the cleaning cycle through it with his. Three quick, I think it's three quick taps, tap, 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 and it starts the cleaning cycle and then it's back ready to go, not bricking itself, yeah. uh, you know, b- based on that. So they've been good little, they have been good little coffee makers. I, I, I can't lie though. I mean, grinding my own beans and perking them yes. on the stovetop is still, I mean, listen, I love Nespresso. But I love perking my own coffee. That that and and, and we've talked about this. I drip, you yeah, perk, but we I both know. love our good coffee. Yeah, and if you remember, coffee. I import. <laughs> yeah, I import my coffee from California. Whenever right. I get down there, yeah. or whenever I have someone who goes, they bring it back for me. Bob in the chat room says, "Very odd for normally a good brand, right? They're usually associated with quality." And I think you probably thought that too. We're not trying to. I don't think we're trying to drag them down or. But it's just an unusual situation. I think, you know, because you review so many products, it's pretty unusual to have, I think, to have a product just not work for you out the door. Has that kind of been your experience? Is almost everything? It has. It has. And just the fact that, I mean, this is clearly a known issue. That's what that's what kind of disheartens me the most is that there's been plenty of people saying this is happening. And, you know, based on my own call to their customer service, they were aware of this issue. Why are they still selling these devices? Like that's, and you know, Bob is right that Mila does have a good reputation and seems like a solid brand. And that is why I chose that device. But it's it doesn't give me a lot of reassurance when the machine doesn't do the only thing that it's supposed to do and it's and it's known so yeah. i hope they are able to resolve this issue um yeah i yeah. i would happily give it another try at some point in the future if they come out with a new model and you know and and wipe the slate clean. We'll say, <laughs> yeah, no, right on. And you know, again, the my intention of bringing you, when you we talked about, you know, you gave me a whole list of things we could talk about. It. I moved this one up to the front. One because I wanted to blend it in with the coffee, but two is in the review business. It's not always. I mean, a lot of the time, it's fun and games. Get in there, set it up. But then there's these kinds of situations. Now, in this case. You, you would have done a review and you would have kept it. You bought this with your own money, right? So this is yeah. not something they sent you. So you have a good opportunity. You know, that's in some cases you're like, oh, well, you know, yikes. But that is a good, I mean, just as we think through all the tech gadgets that we buy, these kinds of things do happen. And at least in this case, Amazon, which has been, I think for most people, has been really good on the return side of things. Definitely. That kind of makes it, that kind of makes it yeah. easy. So. So, well, what has worked in what you talked Ed Sullivan into a couple times ago when you were on here was some, some robot vacuum cleaners. And you've got 
you've got two that you've been looking at lately. iRobot, right, is the one I think we talked about a couple shows ago mm-hmm. when you were on, but you've done some other reviews. Let's talk a little bit. I mean, I've been waiting, Aaron, and my daughter makes fun <laughs> of me, by the way, when I talk about, shit, dad, you don't, it's the only thing that gives you um, exercise. Why, why would you want to let a robot? The vacuuming? <laughs> yeah, and the mowing, same thing. Like, right. You know. He well, you know, there's up. there's a robot for that too, Jim. We've we you know, I think I we've know. touched on that one before. I know, I know. And they're getting cheaper too. I just <laughs> I just saw one for like eight hundred bucks here in the US. Yeah. So Husqvarna getting... Auto Mower, I believe, is the name of that yeah. one. Talk about um a Roborock. Definitely. So Roborock uh and Ecovax, I'll I'll say, because we might touch on that one as well, but um made some big robot vacuum announcements during CES. And the Roborock S7 Max V Ultra, which, yes, is a mouthful, uh, mm-hmm. was the first to launch out of the gate. The concept of this one is you don't need to do maintenance. You don't need to do emptying or refilling. It cleans itself. And you basically set it and forget it, to quote George Foreman. Mm-hmm. So there's three tanks in this one. The The way it's designed is sort of it's kind of got a big and bit clunky, I'll say, base station design, but it holds three tanks. One of them holds the vacuum bag where it will evacuate the inside of the robot vacuum out into the sealed bag. There's a clean water tank and a dirty water tank. And the water comes in because this is not just a robot vacuum, it's also a mop. So you're getting a two-in-one device that does all of this taking care of itself. And then it will also clean and wash the mop with that clean water. So a ton of functionality, a ton of cool tech happening in here. And it works really well. It's a great vacuum. It cleans it cleans quite well, I'll say. Not as well as some other bots I found, um, but pretty close. Um, does a reasonably good job. These robots are super easy to set up. You can schedule them to go out, uh, you know, anytime you want. If you're going to be out of the house, you know, get all the vacuuming done while you're there. And it's just super convenient. I love the convenience of having something to take care of the vacuuming and the mopping. And it's actually pretty good, I will say, at the mopping part. This is not a shop vac and it's not going to suck up, you know, a liter of spilled milk on your floor. But what it will do is if you've got some small spills or dried stains, it's got the mopping pad and the water and it will, you know, basically work to, to clean it all up. It vacuums it, it wipes it down. Clean floors in the end. It's pretty good. With with all the work that you've done in this robot vacuum cleaner space, would you say that most of them are light duty, right? I mean, they're not really into, if you've got a big spill, if you've got a big stain, if you've got a whatever, I was just, we we're showing the video on the screen here and you had it going over something here that looks like baking soda, baking powder. Or Flour, like yes. That. Yeah. So and, I do, I do all my robot vacuum tests on carpet and hardwood with flour, uh, oatmeal, dried oats, rice, dry rice, 
and then like cracker crumbs or pieces. So I run every vacuum through the same set of tests so that I'm kind of getting the same baseline. And this one didn't do as good a job with the finer stuff like flour on carpets. It did a really good job on the floors, but the carpet it seemed to struggle with and the little corner brush that most of these bots have sort of out front tended to sort of spit stuff around and just kick the debris around if it was a bit too big. So it it would get it in subsequent passes, but it wasn't kind of doing one pass and getting everything in it. Mm-hmm. And I think the idea is that you're running these all the time. So it's keeping it down to a minimum. And then I think probably you're going to have to go back for deeper cleaning, you're going to have to go back, right, and do some of these specific spots it can't get to or it struggles with, right? Do you find yourself? You do. I I find these bots are more, you're right, for sort of keeping the dirt and the dust and the pet hair in particular to a dull roar, you know, throughout the week. They're not going to get into every corner. They're not going to get on your baseboards. They're not going to power dirt deeply out of the carpet fibers, though a lot of the bots are improving in that. Um, I think you do still need to own a real vacuum. We'll call it a real or an upright vacuum or something with just really strong suction and power. But these robots do a great job if you have pets around. I know around our house with two dogs, there's always what I call pet hair tumbleweeds kind of making their way down the hallway or into the corner somewhere. So these do help with that. But you do still need to have an upright vacuum or, or a housekeeper, if that's your preference, but some, some way to sort of get that deep cleaning done, you know, every so often. Ed, who, uh, Ed Sullivan, who I mentioned earlier, he bought Milo is his dog. One of my favorite dogs on the planet, by the way. Um, but Milo sheds quite a bit. And so I think Ed's thought was it could run during the day, keep the majority of it down. Uh, and then, you know, there's going to be some times from time you're, you're going to have to come back through. We, we actually have really light duty here in the house and I could probably get away for a month or two between vacuums. If I had a robot thing kind of going around the house, you, you, you also looked at the Debold and, and am I pronouncing that right? Debold? Uh, or no, oh, Ecovac. Ecovac Debot. Debot. There we go. I was thinking of the <laughs> other tool set, but the Ecovac, this actually looks like a garbage can. <laughs> The, the base station looks like a garbage can as opposed to the other one had the fancy, uh, you know, the fancy um, dividers, divided segments yeah. to it. Talk a little bit about this one. Yeah, I actually prefer the design of this one. So you're right. It does look like one of those big sort of upright metal garbage cans. It's kind of got a brushed silver finish on it. But that's because all of the tanks for this one are hidden on the inside. So there's a lid on the top that opens up and it'll give you access to essentially the same stuff. There's a vacuum bag holder, a clean water tank and a dirty water tank. And then there's a little drawer in the front of it, a separate little drawer that holds the vacuum bag. So everything is kind of neatly tucked away and you wouldn't necessarily know A, that it's a robot vacuum and B, what's going on inside. If you looked at this one, you just think, hmm, what is that? What is that cool kind of piece of brushed metal furniture? So I did really like the design. I thought it was quite thoughtful, Um, but similar technology happening here. So you've got um, mopping and vacuuming in one. And the difference with this one is it comes with two 
mopping pads that are removable. And these ones spin. So the Roborock one is kind of just a mopping plate that is fairly static, I'll say. With the Ecovacs Dbot X1 Omni, which is also a mouthful yeah. to say, yeah. these mopping pads on the underneath will spin and rotate. So they're actually a little better able to scrub things off than the Roborock was in my testing. The only problem with this one is I didn't really have a major problem with this one, but some of my viewers on YouTube did. It's that you have to take the mopping plates off when you want it to go over carpet. So it will vacuum and mop simultaneously, but only on hard floors. If you want it to tackle carpet, you've got to remove those scrubbing mopping pads. So some folks thought that was a bit tedious. Um, with the amount of carpet I have in my home, it's it's not an issue for me. I think if other folks had a lot more carpet and a lot less floor, this would definitely be an issue. Um, but it just goes to show you kind of the different designs these companies are coming up with and the different technologies and what, you know, what one has, the other has sort of something a little bit different. So you've really got to decide what's going to work well for your home. Did you prefer either, either one, if you were gonna, and, and are you still, do you have a full-time unit that you're, that you bought that you're using or are you just, you getting enough reviews that you don't have to worry about it? <laughs> I'm actually working on a, probably a 10 or 12 robot vacuum series wow. about like, which are the best ever out there. So I'm on to some new ones right now. Uh, I just got one in from Shark and I've got another one coming in, which I can't remember. Uh, they're they're coming in about one a week right now. So I've got lots of robot wow. vacuums that I'm happening. Yeah. But I did do a little head-to-head -head comparison of these two in particular because my YouTube audience has been asking me, you know, which one should they buy? Which one is better? Which one would I buy if it were up to me? And so I just lined them up side by side and ran a comparison. You know, which which one cleaned better? Which, where does price come in? Um, you know, how do the scrubbing mopping pads compare to a mopping plate? And the winner for me was the Ecovax, the Dbot X1 Omni. Uh, it just checked a few more of those boxes for me. And I really was impressed with the scrubbing mop. And there's one other little factor that the mopping in this Ecovax Dbot has, and that's um, that it'll dry the mopping pads. So there's a little kind of heater in the base of the, we'll call it your garbage can station, Jim. It's got yeah. a fancier <laughs> name than that, but um, there's a little heater. And... right now for saying <laughs> yeah, Looks like a garbage can. Like, oh, great. Now everybody's going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classy garbage can though. Yes. But yeah, it's got this, it really runs silently. It's got this little airflow and it'll dry the mopping pads so that you don't get any of those musty smells that can sometimes happen with, you know, yeah. when they're allowed to, to stay wet. What's uh, retail price on either one of these? What are we ballpark? We are talking in the 1300 to $1,500 range for these ones. Yeah. So they yeah. are not inexpensive. But, you know, with these, you don't have to touch them for months and months. They're self-cleaning, self-maintaining, self-emptying and refilling. And, of course, they've got all the newest robot vacuum technology, which also includes home mapping. So you can have them clean certain rooms on certain days. There's also a ton of uh, advanced object recognition. So if you leave things like 
you know, charging cords or socks or whatever on the floor, they're able to see that there are obstacles in the way and go around them and avoid getting tangled up. So that's a lot better. The other thing the Ecovax had that I was kind of impressed by is it's got natural language recognition. So you don't necessarily have to talk to a digital assistant. You can talk directly to this bot. And through this bot or through this robot assistant voice that it has built in, which is called Eco, um, it has voice localization. So you can go to a spot in your home and call it to you and it'll use voice localization technology to approximate the distance to you and it'll just come to where you are. Now, it's not coming like right to the tip of your toes. It's kind of finding the room you're in and heading there and then cleaning, but still like super impressive. Like if you spill something in the kitchen and you say, okay, <laughs> I hope I'm not setting anyone's bot off here. Okay, yeah. Eco, come clean the kitchen. She'll head over there. Yeah. I like it. I From, from that perspective, if you're in a room and you notice it just needs, this kind of needs a touch up, you can just say it, invoke it. It'll come in. Is the setup pretty similar as far as discovery of rooms and, you know, the, the apps around e each one? I, I think by now we've kind of got that figured out, maybe, you think, of, of getting those mapped and rooms we identified do. and such. A lot of the bots, too, will now do mapping runs. So they'll use, I mean, depending on the robot, there's, you know, laser technology, there's LIDAR, there's camera recognition, there's all kinds of recognition technology they use to create these maps of your home. The maps are super detailed. Uh, of late, all of the robot vacuums I've tested, they are quite detailed. And then you just go into the map that your robot makes of your space and you attach the labels. So it's pretty easy to look at your floor plan and see, oh, yep, this is the kitchen. This is the living room. Here's the bathroom. And you drop the labels on the map and then you can just start calling out for, you know, clean the kitchen at six o'clock or you know, send, send my robot to clean the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I need to touch up. Oh, I'm seeing some cat hair or some dog hair in here. Um, I think if some people were coming over and you're just concerned about the living room, you know, we always are, you know, some people are coming over or hit the, hit the living room. You could invoke your vac to come in and just do the living room. I would assume. Absolutely. You can also create zones and areas. So if you've got a busy work triangle in the kitchen, that's always getting crumbs on the floor or, you know, the area by the front door at everyone's house is, is always a disaster. At least it isn't mine. Maybe I should speak for myself, <laughs> but you can also create certain zones within the rooms and then you can attach labels to that. So you can say, Hey, come clean the work triangle or go clean the front door. And it knows what that is because you've created and denoted that area on the map. It's it's really impressive how far technology has come for robot vacuums just in the last three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I get every time I, we talk, <laughs> I was like, I just got to get one of these. I, I don't know. It's tough to justify $1,500 for something that I can do in 20 minutes on a Sunday. Right. You know, we very defined area. I'm kind of the robot vacuum cleaner at the house. It is good exercise, <laughs> which I need. <laughs> I do need. Uh, so I, I struggle with it a little bit. One of the, um, you know, one of the things thinking about, you know, those getting automation in the right space. One of the things I did this week was add 
I took all my monitors. So I have three work monitors and I have four studio monitors. I put them all on a single plug, you know, all on a single strip and then put that strip on a device that I could then group and say, Hey, a lady, turn on the studio monitors, turns them all on. What's great is at night before I go to bed and I could set this in a routine down here and say, turn them all off and I'll just shut them all down. Because I'm sure I'm losing power to Phantom. You know, I'm walking away. They got to go to sleep, right? Also, Home Assistant sits on this computer right here. I'd set it up in an area where I'm I'm on my way out of the office. If I want to, I can just push the button and they'll all go off, right? Mm -hmm. That's that same kind of convenience of like, okay, I'm done with the monitors. Shut them down, you know? And, And it just has made that a little more convenient than... I was, I mean, it's not hard, but I was, un, I was just turning them off manually, you know, go right. up underneath here, up over there, turn this one, turn that one off. Um, I think in that robot vacuum space to being able to call it to a certain room mm-hmm. adds that extra level of convenience to say, you know, just vacuum this now. That's all I want you to do. And then, and then go back. That's super convenient. Home think. automation is amazing. And I think it, if, if you use it correctly, I think it can save you energy in the long run. I don't think you're necessarily going to notice it on the monthly bill, but yeah. I think in the long yeah. run, it's helpful. No, right on. I'm it, it'll certainly help me keep, I mean, I'm probably half the home power draw down here with four or five computers, nine monitors, like I've got to be a good significant amount of power draw here. So the more things I can do, the better. Brian in the chat room says the amount of automation that is coming to mainstream has been amazing over the last several years. And I think this is the benefit of the A lady, the the G guy, <laughs> the G lady, um, of them getting better at this and then that kind of permeating the market in a lot of ways to say, because a lot of the early home automation was kind of junk and it's just gotten a lot better uh, lately, mm-hmm. I've noticed, becoming more intuitive with lower barriers to entry. And I think that's, mm-hmm. I think that's super true, Brian. Thanks for that, that comment. Um, it just, well, and Jim, have you guys talked about matter before? About what? Sorry. Matter. I think it's called Matter. There's a new okay. home automation protocol, I guess we could call it, that's supposed to be coming online and becoming a little more common this year. And the gist of it, and I sure hope I'm getting it right, the gist of it is it's supposed to get all of these disparate devices working together like under one app or as a group. So as it is now, you've got to make sure your, you know, certain devices, if they're Apple devices, work with G lady or whatever but this new protocol is supposed to make everything work together so in theory Mm -hmm. you could plug in your monitors and your power strip and your google home device and you know your smart lights and your coffee maker and everything else and with one app and one command you could turn everything off i know at my house i have to turn off the philips hue smart lights and then the I have to use the Sumphy app for my blinds, my smart blinds. And then there's two other, two other, what have I got even here? There's two other apps I need to turn off other lights in the house, the Wiz yeah. smart home app for the other lights. Mm-hmm. So it would be nice if everything could come together. Yeah. Now some of, so those don't work with the Amazon infrastructure. Like I've, I found a lot of them are specializing in both Amazon and the Google space. 
Um, and you can, I'm, I'm kind of trying to land on a lady as my hub for everything, do, do, but not everything's there. Right. Well, that's, that's the thing is some of them work well with one over the other. A lot of things these days, especially in the last year or two will work with both Google and Alexa, but there's certain ones that work definitely better with one than the other. So you know, at my house, I have good night routines with both devices and <laughs> I'll talk to both of my home assistants to get them to shut yes. everything down when I say good night. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we're still we'll, in we'll that space, right? We're still in that space where you can, I, I am choosing not to put anything on Google for that. I just don't, I don't want to do both. I'm kind of trying to land Home Assistant has been an application that I've used that has made the visual. You can see that right here, Home Assistant dashboards right there. It's made it nice for the visualization of it. Amazon does not have a dashboard, so to speak, which I mm -hmm. wish they did. Um, yeah. So this makes it nice because I can get up and just push a button and everything goes off or whatever. I need to do some better end of day routines. I just installed mm -hmm. a smart garage door opener and i didn't i retroed oh, you know i bought a miros retro plug it in attach it it just goes into the same ports as your switch and then it acts like the switch and so oh, when great. you send things to it one of the things i didn't realize is i didn't have the sensors close enough together so it would register for a second and then it would say nope it's open it's not close enough so it would close and then oh. they just weren't close to quite close enough together and it'd be like, oh, now it's open. So I'd send this, but it was closed. So I'd send a closed command to it and it would open it. <laughs> Cause you know, it was <laughs> it, and so I set a routine that every night at 9 p.m., if it was open, close it. Well, um, it would open it <laughs> instead of closing it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> right. So we kept waking up in the morning and we're like, Did you leave the garage door open? No, I didn't. And then Took me a while to figure out I I had not placed the sensors and I needed to watch the app. The app was really good about telling me if those sensors were indeed mm. getting the right condition in That's place. This isn't, yeah, another one of those. Because you're, I mean, this is an entry into the house. Like I want to be yeah. very vigilant sure. that this thing is set up correctly and secure. It also requires a code, right? So nobody could just shout through my door, you know, hey, open the garage <laughs> door, right? Uh, type deal. Um, so there's a code involved there, but it's, it's some of those, it's some of those things I'm thinking too. And I think you're along the same lines. We're no longer thinking just about single devices, but then how do we group them together to mm -hmm. make it even more convenient at night, shut everything down. Or, um, it, for, for me, it's the routine. when I'm about to podcast, I want the Gallup monitors, off, my work, my work monitors, I call them Gallup monitors, but I want them off so I can just either push the button or just Focus. say it and they all shut down. Right. And I don't have to worry about them. So I think we're getting more and more like your away routine might turn your cameras on and allow the vacuum cleaner to start. Okay. I want this thing to run when I'm away. Right. But when I'm home, put that thing back on the base. I don't yes. want that thing yeah. running around. Right. Type deal. Yeah. Well, that's a little more complicated than it, than it seems to get all those things to line up to I'm a home or I'm away in, in yeah, the setting. I think, so. I think that technology is going to, I hope it comes through and I hope it delivers on what it's supposed to do. Yeah. I, I'd be looking forward to trying it when it's all ready. 
Yeah. Well, I think we're going to Sunday someday just be there. Like it's going to mm-hmm. all of a sudden we'll be like, oh, wow. All this, <laughs> all this stuff actually works, right? Uh, Everybody together. did a firmware update. Now everything works together. Something every works together. Um, I mentioned monitors uh, in that I've, you know, and by the way, it took me, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes to get all my monitors, two sets on a single strip Well, on a, each having their own strip. And then putting a smart plug device between the two of them. And I still have manual on and off. I can still switch on and off. But you've been reviewing over the last couple of months. It seems like you've been reviewing a ton of monitors as well. Have you learned anything as we think about, because you've done different sizes, you've done ultra wide, you've done flat. Have you learned anything trying them all out? Because you've put them on your desk up above your laptop. If I've seen the, as I followed mm-hmm. you on Twitter for this. What have you learned about monitors and what's good for you? Yeah. Uh, Well, the thing I've learned is that monitors are different for everyone, but I'm trying to sort of provide the best guidance and advice I can for my set of circumstances. So I always try and share with folks how I'm using my monitors and what I'm using them for and how they work in the setup that I have. But of course, like everybody's experience is going to be different. My setup right now is a monitor that does not have one of those universal mounts on the back. So I can't get it on a monitor arm. So it's sitting on a platform kind of above and behind my laptop and it's big and it's clunky. So that's kind of been the impetus for me to start looking at new monitors. So my current monitor is about a 20 inch monitor. And I thought, you know, with all the video I edit and the social media I'm doing and, you know, photos I'm editing and all of that, I just wanted something bigger. So I went to a super ultra widescreen monitor first because I thought, why not go all the way? Like bigger is obviously going to be better. And what I learned about that was sometimes bigger is too big. So for, for my space, it isn't so Aaron. that those are dirty <laughs> words on this program. <laughs> I'm afraid it's true for oh. the space that I was working in. They're just, I mean, if you're going to go with a huge monitor, you've got to have the distance between you and the monitor so that you can get that whole picture was this the and one? Was this the one that pushed you over the edge? The thirty-two inch? Curve? No, that's the curved monitor. <laughs> that's something else I learned, which is that gaming monitors are not ideal for work purposes. I wanted to try out a gaming monitor to see a curved gaming monitor in particular, again for the video use, because I thought, hey, the curve is just going to make using video easier. But the curved monitor, if you're editing documents it gives everything this warp. Mm. So it was driving me nuts. It was okay if I had something full screen video and I was watching it, but when I was trying to edit, anybody who's ever edited video, you get sort of a timeline, which it runs across the bottom of your screen. If you've ever seen video or audio that way, this, it gives it like a bend. So you're trying to like, it's almost like spinning a dial when you're moving it across your screen. So As much as I was excited about seeing if a gaming monitor and a curved monitor could could be really great for work, it was not good for video. It was not good for documents. Um, The quality was great. You know, it's a 4K monitor, the one I checked out, this uh, Samsung. Um, But just for for working off of, it was it was not ideal. These are designed to just be 
big in your face, fill your eyes with, you know, immersive gaming experiences. Mm-hmm. So not ideal for a workspace. Now I do, I do have an ultra 32 inch ultra wide that is curved that I am using on my desk and it works really well for me. I, it, at this distance for the way I use it, for what it is here, it actually works really well for me. So I think it may depend in, you know, I'm showing this Samsung 32 inch 4k UHD monitor that you did. Of course, that's going to have more, uh, more traditional monitor size. Mm-hmm. You know, the ultra wides are kind of thin and long and curved. Yeah. Did you see any difference when you, when you moved into your work style, do you find it, this was different, any better? And it's a big old monitor. Did yeah. you may not even have enough space to get it far enough away from you? Right. That's another yeah. consideration. Even I did find I was, I went up or I guess I went down from, I think it was the 30, 34, 36 inch to the 32. And I liked it a little better just because it's big while still being kind of manageable. Um, you know, great resolution again. I think, I think everybody should be using a 4k monitor now because they're just <laughs> oh, so much sharper now. and clearer. You're I am spoiled. spoiled. Yes. Um, but I did like using that one, I think for my working experience, and this is kind of goes to what I was saying, Jim, that for everybody's different uses and how they might use them and what they might want to do on them, it's going to be a different experience. But for me, I'm good with a, I think I've decided now that I've settled on like a 32 inch flat panel, 4k monitor, and it needs to have that universal, I think it's called a visa ESA mm-hmm. mount yep. on the back yep. so that I can put it up on a monitor arm. I picked up a really great um, monitor arm from Kensington mm-hmm. and it just will bring the monitor up off the desk, keep it at a really good level. It's adjustable and I can, you know, put my laptop down in front of it and still be able to, to work mm-hmm. effectively, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A monitor is such a personal preference device. This is, I think what I've, I've learned about, you know, as I talk with folks about monitors, everybody comes a little bit different to the equation. And it's like, no, no, I really like it. And everybody should have it this way. And you're like, oh, okay. I think this is one, you know, you've gotten the opportunity to kind of review a bunch of them over time, which is good for you. Cause you, you kind of figure that out. Um, Everybody, you know, some people, like if you go to an ultra wide, especially like a 35, I think I have a 34 inch ultra wide. Mm-hmm. It's not two 1080 displays, right? In, yeah. In a lot not. of cases, we did dual 1080 displays. That's kind of where most people landed until these ultra wides came up. Mm-hmm. And then, so you get that 34, which is in the rice price point. And then you, you start lining up screens and they don't, they don't really line up right when you split them. And you're like, yeah. okay, wait a minute. This isn't, this isn't more real estate. It's just real estate all in one place, you know? Right. And so it, it takes a little bit. You have to start thinking through your workflow. That mm-hmm. doesn't get in my way. My workflow, my studio workflow is on this 34 inch ultra wide. It doesn't get in the way most of the time, but there's a few moments I want to sh- show something on a screen and I want it in that 1080. Well, okay, mm-hmm. I get over the other screen and, you know, you're, you're like the, the snap doesn't get you there to get that mm-hmm. true resolution no, it doesn't. that you're looking for. Right. And then the, the ultra wides are, yeah, they're wide, but they're also narrow from a lot of folks are narrow on the top. Right. And mm-hmm. so 
you just kind of kind of think differently as we're showing this this image here you've got a lot of real estate on this on the screen to go I now do, it's 4k yeah. right it's 4k so you're yeah. getting tons of resolution in there but kind of a different layout split screen on this would be even skinnier for each one of those I did, right? I did try it with split screen and it wasn't bad um yeah. You know, there's enough real estate on there that you're not shrinking things down to fit them both on the monitor. But you actually reminded me of um, one of the first monitors I reviewed as an external monitor because I use an Apple MacBook and I just recently um, <laughs> either upgraded or downgraded to the 14 inch, the new MacBook Pro. Mm -hmm. So the laptop is smaller because I had the 16 inch. All that is to say that. I tried out um, about a year and a half ago, the LG Ultrafine Ergo monitor, which is another freestanding monitor that'll sit up on an arm. And it is one of those ultra wide monitors, but it's a flat panel. And that one was actually really good. I really enjoyed my experience with that. And until you just mentioned ultra wides like that, um, I had actually forgotten about it. So that one's, yeah, that's the one. It's a 34 inch monitor. And it was really great. I quite liked it. You can really lay stuff out there really well. I was laying, you know, my video scripts next to my video editing window. And then I've got a control window for my, you know, audio and video levels and stuff. The only trouble with that monitor was, and, and this is something we should all check when we're ordering monitors is it had a huge arced stand that was really kind of immovable. So it took up, I think it was like about 10 or 11 inches across the desk, which means there's no putting anything else there. It's, you can't stick anything in front of it because it's got sort of this huge curve that just comes right around towards you. So within, you know, a day I had this up on a, on a monitor arm and took it right off the stand so that it, I could use the desk space a little better. But that's something else that if folks are out there shopping for monitors, um, take a good look at the type of stand that it comes on, see how adjustable it is and make sure it does have one of those universal mounts so that if you do want to get it up and off your desk, you have that option. Yeah. I, I can't live without monitor mounts with one, you know, one with multiple at work. I've got quad monitors, um, you know, so two by two, two columns mm -hmm. of two. And I've got one of those four mounts, you know, so it, it's, it's oh, single wow. pole, two and two. You can mount it in there, set them in different ways. And it's just really, really handy. Uh, the top two are on one PC and the bottom two are on another. And it just gives me the opportunity to um, just to lay it out a little bit better. And I, I couldn't, that's something I couldn't do if I, if I didn't have it on a mount. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mounts are great. I, I am a convert. And as soon as I kind of settle on my final monitor, which might just very well be that LG one we just talked about, um, I'm going to clear off, you know, all the stands and everything else on my desk and hopefully get a bunch of real estate back. Yeah. yeah. See, now I'm, <laughs> I want in your office, I'd have that whole wall full of monitors. Like I want, uh, you know, I have nine down here. So, <laughs> so you're not exaggerating when you say there's nine monitors in your room. No, no, there are literally nine, <laughs> nine device, nine, yeah, nine monitors in that wow. are down here. Right. And so now I did move this one. This would have been included in that. I moved this one and there's one over here, but yeah, I just like real estate. I want to see it. And that's just me. Right. Again, mm -hmm. I think everybody needs to come to this monitor dilemma question on their own. What makes me the yeah. most productive? And, yes. and for me, 
and monitors are cheap for the most part right now. I, I, I'd rather have more space than less. Now, for some yeah. people, they value the space. <laughs> they don't want all these, all this light <laughs> on in their yeah. office area. I like it. I mean, I've got the weather running right now over here and Google, I know Linux running up there and I've got my cameras where I can see them. And right. I mean, I, I just, my personality just wants all that stuff in front of me. I yeah. want to see it all the yeah. time. I don't want, if it's hidden. You're like an air traffic control center. No, it is. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be, but (laughs) it is. It makes me feel. If that's what works for you and that's what you like, and you're that type of visual person that you want to see all of your stuff. Some people are tab monsters and can have all these windows and stuff open and have no problem flipping between them. But I'm kind of with you. I like to see a bunch of things at once, or at least choose, you know, the two or three things that I want to see all at the same time. I just like it out front. I like to be able to look over. Like I like to have a dedicated weather page that's just up all the time. I can see it. All I have to do is look over there. Okay, yeah, oh, it's ninety six degrees outside. Okay, fine. That's just that's that's the way I like it. I'd pay for that to have it uh, dedicated all the time. So, um, speaking of of monitor size, so we chatted about this with you a little bit the last time we were on. The last time you were on, you had done this uh, this Amazon Echo Show fifteen. We, I just bought a show seven. So we'd had, there's a 15 on my desk. You can't see it. There's a, not a 15. There's a five. I have a show five that I just moved down here from the kitchen. The seven inch, which I think is just called a echo show. I forget. Anyway, I think that's the show. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the show. I, we bought a new one for the kitchen because this one was getting a little flaky and I, we were sick of it. So Got a good. I got it for twenty five bucks, which was super good on Woot. It was one of those reconditioned, nice. and for these these things. But you've had this fifteen now. Do, one, do you still have it up? Do you still have it, or did you have to send it back? No, I had to send that one back. That was just okay. a loaner and a tester. But I was actually How, a little disappointed to send it back. I, I kind of missed it. Well, I've always been, you know, we, we having a bigger screen size in the kitchen now. Even going from five to seven inches makes it difference on the UI. Like they can get more in there. And I really do like the, the Amazon UI, what they're doing with it, but mm-hmm. 15, that's, that's a lot of space. Did you, how, how did, after you sent it back, you, you worked with it, I, I'm assuming for a couple of weeks, got to mess around with it. Is that something that you found with the extra space was helpful? I find you get used to that extra space really quickly. Um, if anyone out there is like me, you're like, well, do I really need a bigger screen? Like, do I need the bigger Amazon interface? Can I get by with what I have? Of course you can. But once you get to have that larger experience on something like that 15 inch screen, you kind of learn to like it. And then when you have to send that one back, because it's just a loaner for you to review and you're back on the seven or the 10 inch screen, the 10 inch is the one I use, which, uh, yeah, it's the Echo Show 10 is what it's called. Right, right. Um, big, 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 you know, base, big sound based, right? Yes, on that big one. round yeah. speaker base, exactly. So I do like my Show 10 because it's got that rotating screen. But the 15 was really, it was a nice experience. And what Amazon's doing with that device in particular is trying to make it more for video. So they want you to watch Amazon Prime TV on that screen and you can and you don't feel like you're getting 
ripped off, I guess, by trying to watch it on a five or a seven inch monitor. And then they've created these widgets, they call them, which are really cool little, very useful um, boxes, I guess, that you can put on the screen that just sort of sit there all the time. And you can make those do whatever you want. You can have sticky notes, you can have your weather there, you can have weather for multiple cities, you know, wherever you want to keep tabs on. Um, they're super useful. You can also view things like you were talking about your security cameras, Jim. So you can pop up if you've got some Amazon enabled security cameras, you can just have them pop up on the screen. Um, and of course, naturally it being Amazon, it'll give you updates on your Amazon shopping and recommend products to you if you want. And I, I just found there was so much information available all on that one screen because of the couple inches that were added that it yeah. was really helpful. But I think you have to have a dedicated space. We were talking about sometimes too big, sometimes big is too big. And this would be the case if you don't have a dedicated spot for a screen this size in your kitchen, it is going to be too big. And they've made the Echo Show 15 to be mounted on a wall, or you can get um, some special mounts. I tried out two different mounts with it, or I guess I should call them stands. The stands are super helpful. And in all honesty, Amazon should be selling it with a stand, in my opinion, because otherwise you're leaning it against a wall or against something in your kitchen and it's going to tip over. It's going to fall over. So you've either got to wall mount it or you've got to get it on one of these stands. And the stands cost about, I think, 30 or 40 bucks extra. Um, but you definitely need a stand and you need a dedicated place to put this. Now, the good thing about these is you can mount them or display them either vertically or horizontally. So I know some folks are really all about using that vertical space on their phone. So if you want to have your device display vertically, you can. If you're old school and want to go horizontal, you can do that too. It's pretty, pretty cool. Very adaptable. Pretty responsive device. I mean, did it, it it's you kind of think about touching it a little more often than maybe you would your, your regular, your smaller five or seven inch. Did, was it pretty responsive or did you find it lagged a little bit as you were hit you know, hitting the touch targets. You know, I don't recall noticing that it was laggy. I don't, I didn't think to check the responsiveness. So for me, that's, I'll start to time things and test them a little better if I find they're not quite yeah. Yeah. what I think they should be. And I don't, I don't remember having any issues with the lag or anything like that, Jim. When we were starting, when this this five, this the small one, was starting to get a little flaky on us, I thought, well, okay, maybe it's time to replace it. I remembered you talking about this, both the 10 and the 15, and I was like, well, maybe we'll replace it with that. Then I got a, immediately got a deal for 25 bucks for the seven. And you're like, okay, I, 25 versus 250, right? <laughs> yeah. You, you kind of take the 25 every time, right, at that point. Definitely. but. I kind of want to ask you, you've had both. You've got the 10 inch. Mm -hmm. We're showing on screen uh, yeah. 249. The 15 is now 249. I think that retailed at 299 when it first came out. Uh, they're both the same price. You've worked with both. Which one, if you have to buy one or the other, which one do you choose? I like the show 10. I own the show 10. Um, I owned it before I tested the 15. Uh, and and did consider that, you know, if I liked the 15 that much better, I would probably trade up. 
Um, but I'm super happy with my Echo Show 10. I love the speaker on it. I love the fact that it has that uh, facial recognition tracking, so it will follow you around the space. I've got mine in the kitchen. And if I am watching something on Amazon Prime, or I'm trying to do a video call, or I just want to see what's playing, you know, when I'm playing some music, it follows me around the kitchen. So it the screen is always in view, which I do like. And I find the audio quality on it is quite good. And it's a good enough size that it does everything I need it to do. And I can kind of see everything that I want to see and need to see on that screen. It's it's great for me. Will I change my mind in the future? I don't know. Depends what Amazon comes up with next time. Well, we don't, have you heard anything on, I mean, the 15 was kind of the last thing. I think that was towards the end of last year, the end of 2021, I think when that came out and the 10 mm-hmm. has been out maybe a little few months before that. I haven't seen anything new. Have you looked ahead? Have they given you any indication or have you seen any indication of where they're going? They're giving me no clues. But <laughs> well, I, was, my, I was hoping. In my personal opinion, I kind of think we're going to start seeing TVs that are also integrated digital assistants. So take the Echo Show 15, blow it up to the Echo Show 55, and you know maybe throw in an art mode and some other stuff. And you've got a Samsung frame TV, for example, that has all of the smarts of an Echo or a Google Home device. So I really think that's where we're going to get. I think these companies want to they want to become more a part of our lives and our homes. And if you think about the device we probably all use the most every single day, it's the TV. So I think they want their ecosystems in front of us more regularly. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see Amazon, Google, maybe even Apple coming out with TVs that are now designed to be these giant home hubs. Yeah. No, I, th- I think we're headed that direction already from a, from a smart TV standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, the TV, I've got a, I have a 45 inch or something, 50, I can't remember that's in there. And uh, it's the dumbest TV. Like mm-hmm. I bought it right before this whole smart TV thing. I don't know if I'm missing anything to be honest with you on that. You know, we don't, w- yeah, I just don't, I, I don't know. So if we're headed that direction, We'll have to see how it goes. I mean, yeah. certainly when you're going through today, when you're going through a Netflix menu or you're going through a Hulu menu or you're going through the NVIDIA Shield menu, <laughs> there's, a, you know, it's just, it's nuts. I mean, I just watch Sarah go through all those things. I don't even watch the TV out there. I watch everything here. So um, it's a, it's a little bit different from that standpoint. But yeah, I have to see how that have to see how that goes. I've been eyeing, like I said, I almost bought the 10 to replace it. I really like that 10. You had said mm-hmm. so many great things about it the last time we we, we talked to you. And then, um, boy, that 15, you know, because bigger is better. And so, you know, it's like, ah, uh, love that thing hanging like on. Say, the- if you've got the space for it, it's, yeah. it's totally worth it. Yeah. But you've got to have the space for it. And in our kitchen, we just don't. So it was, it was fun to play with. And I, I hope one day to have that kind of real estate in my kitchen, yeah, but yeah. not yet. Well, one, one more review and these, this is kind of, I'm, I'm kind of interested for a specific reason on this, but let's talk a little bit about you reviewed the Sony link earbud, uh, these earbuds. And 
I think you liked them. Talk a little bit about them. I did. Absolutely. Um, so the Sony link buds are kind of an interesting concept in truly wireless earbuds and they're what's called open earbuds. So the thing with these is they're kind of built to, they don't completely plug your ear. The way these are constructed, they're kind of almost a a two circle design. And one of the circles sits at the towards the back of your ear or your ear concha, if you know what that is. Um, and then this open ring portion sits over your ear canal. So there's actually nothing pushing into your ear canal. And these are great because I know a lot of folks out there don't like that, don't like the feeling of something in their ear canal. They don't like that plugged feeling that wearing earbuds can give. So these are kind of the best of both worlds. They will uh, not only not give you that plugged feeling, but they'll give you a certain level of ambient sound ability. So you can stay attuned if you're trail running or you're commuting and you sort of want to be aware of your surroundings. You'll still get some of the sound through thanks to that little open ring design. Can people hear what you're listening to? Not really. Um, it's surprisingly able to direct the sound into your ears and it doesn't bleed out a lot. And similarly, I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be terrible. Like if Roger's making something in the kitchen and I'm wearing these earbuds, I'll probably hear him rattling around and clattering around and that'll disturb my listening. But not so. Once you've got music playing or something playing on these, it it almost masks the stuff that's going on around you. But I mean, you're looking at earbuds like these because you do want some level of awareness. If you want that complete cone of silence, there's any number of earbuds you can get that are truly wireless that are just going to block out everything. But these are made for people that want to kind of keep a bit of an ear on what's going on around them. They have another really good property for some folks, and that will be that you can sleep in these. So I know a lot of people like to fall asleep listening to something, but the problem with a lot of earbuds is they stick out of your ears like a cork. Mm -hmm. And if you're a side sleeper and you want to lay on that side, they're pressing into your ear or they're getting caught and pulled out. But these have such a slim and flat profile and this kind of really soft domed shape that they basically don't stick out of your ear concha at all. So you could actually, and I did, lay on your side, fall asleep, and you're not going to wake up sort of clawing the earbuds out of your ear because they're hurting you in the middle of the night. Mm. Um, but because they're letting ambient sound in, if you're asleep, many people use earbuds to <laughs> block out the I can't say it too loud. The partner snoring. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens here at the Collison house. So what, what's, can, can they be used as, can, can I run some, you know, noise canceling something through them while I'm sleeping to maybe, to, to maybe drown that out? Yeah. If you have stuff playing, it does mask it. Like I said, it's not yeah. going to, it's not going to keep everything out because that's not what these are designed to do. Um, my benchmark right now for sort of biggest cone of silence, absolute best noise cancellation is um, either the Apple AirPods Pro or the AirPods Max. 
I find that in testing and just all of the headphones I've had the opportunity to test out, they do the best at true noise cancellation and blocking out everything. Yeah, they so, just stick out. That's the problem. They stick yes, out and I'm a side yeah. sleeper. They absolutely do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for sort of real great noise canceling headphones that don't stick out, that don't also let in some noise, that's a tough one. No, it's been really hard for me to find. Uh, it looks like it looked like for a while Bose was going to figure this out, and they just mm. they just fell uh, they just fell down. Like yeah. it's unbelievable. You were like, how bad can you? You know, Bose who who who's got the corner on this market in in some regards just didn't work. They had yeah. They've they've quickly exited that market. Well, and I think Bose also did, I'm trying to remember now, an open ear. I don't, it wasn't an earbud, but it was like a hook type headphone that just hovered outside the ear and then hooked around the back of it. Yeah. And I tried those and I found they were awful because the Mm. whole hook mechanism is made of this hard plastic with no softening. So, I mean, the sound quality is, is fine. And yeah. it does a good job of directing the sound in and keeping that awareness, but they hurt. <laughs> right. So good. Yeah. It's been, it, I've really, I have searched far and wide. I've not found anything that would work when you show these. I was like, oh, now I'm a big ambient sound guy anyways. For the podcast, I wear special earplugs that allow ambient sound in because I want to hear my own voice come back yes. through. I don't want that. I don't, I don't like that closed in feeling that is there. I want to hear everything. These would work. What kind of battery did, did you test from a battery perspective? Do you test them? Would they survive a couple hours of a podcast? Uh, the, these earbuds oftentimes die at the most inopportune <laughs> times. right? Definitely. Yeah. I've actually been really impressed with a lot of the battery life I'm seeing coming out of headphones now. So you're usually getting five or six hours in the headphones themselves. And then of course you get more and more in the case. Um, but more and more often the headphones I'm seeing come out, the battery life is growing. There's a couple companies that are, that seem kind of stalled <laughs> Apple <laughs> with battery life. Um, not making any major advancements, but some companies are starting to, I think the trouble is that to try and put a big enough battery to give you a ton of longevity in something that's the size of, you know, the tip of your thumb, then you run into the problem where the earbuds grow and they become painful to wear. I just reviewed a pair of, um, Sennheiser's, uh, Sennheiser sport and fantastic headphones, great sound, love the Sennheiser brand. I can't wear them for longer than 10 minutes because they're so large, they just hurt to wear. So we've got these trade-offs with headphones. You know, do you want ones that are flat that you can lay on your side? Maybe you're going to hear some ambient sound. Do you want ones with a 10-hour battery life? Well, they're going to stick out to here, you know? This this is where technology is at. It's never perfect. No, it's getting better. And I, I think I'm actually going to try these um, because I could use them when I'm out walking. They would make great because, I, again, I want to hear. I want to hear. I've never been the the ones that plug up my ears, even though Apple says and Mike said, you know, Mike Weger had said, yeah, that it, it pushes the sound through and you can hear it. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um. So it it 
these would be, and they fit right in. And I, I'll, I'll try them um, uh, at night and see if that, you know, maybe I can. I've never. I mean, I like a quiet room, so I'd rather maybe I could play something into them that would that would help mask some of that sound. Do you know what I always play? I've got a couple apps that will just play either ocean sound effects or like forest sound effects or even just white noise. And for me, I find that's enough to just mask anything else that's going on while still being soothing and calming. Off to sleep. I, I just need the sound of some churning butter or chocolate <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> something Maybe like that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Uncle Marv in the chat says, uh, love the Bose sound sport earbuds. They're clunky, bulky, but love the sound over anything else um, I've tried, yeah. including beats. And yeah, I, I mean, I think if sound is your indicator, then there's going to be certain things that you're looking for. I am definitely looking for comfort, ambient sound, and sleeping in them. So these, and, and it says that they've got five, you, you said in the review, 5.5 hours of battery life and a total of up to 17.5 with the charging case. So, so good enough for a podcast may not get you through the entire night, but really you just want them to get you until you drop off to sleep. To sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, might be worth a try have to have to look into these they look they look super cool so i mean for me these are the first pair of earbuds that i've looked at and went oh do they have a microphone in them can i talk did can can i use them that way and do they sound did did you test it all do they sound pretty good yeah they sounded great and they're super comfortable that was that was one of the things that really impressed me about them they've they've got a lot of pluses Ah, well, you've and at 179 uh, US, which is basically like ten thousand dollars in Canada. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know that's not a bad that's not a bad price point. You know, you're I think Apple, those are two ninety nine. I think maybe three three ninety nine something for the. I can't remember. The They're fairly expensive, so I have to give it a try. Well, Aaron, thanks for. We've we've run you the gamut here. Thanks for for hanging out with us. Do you have anything cool? Like, first of all, folks should follow you on Twitter if they want to follow your reviews. And I know, I know, Twitter hasn't been the coolest platform, but it feels like it's coming back. Like, I feel like there's more people out Just there like paying attention out. to it. You know, yeah. You know, I mean, we got rid of. Anyway, <laughs> I, I should make I should make Sorry, a political statement. Anyways. <laughs> Um, uh, they should definitely follow your YouTube channel because there's a lot going on there. You have any, you have any cool stuff coming up that you want to highlight? I do. I've got, I just got this giant fan purifier thing delivered, which the box is almost as tall as me, but it's, uh, I think it's the LG Puricare. It literally just came in like an hour before the podcast. So I'm probably screwing up the name. Um, but it's this really cool cone shaped device that's super tall and it's a fan and a purifier all in one. And in the same vein as kind of the Dyson fans and purifiers, it looks cool and it's kind of its own objet. So while it's cooling and purifying your air. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if it delivers. Spoiler alert, I was struggling to get it set up and connected to my Wi-Fi though. So here's hoping that <laughs> I can finish that later. What tonight. does it do? Why does it need to be connected to your Wi-Fi? What what kind of things well, are you? Okay. 
control turn, and, turn and get on, the monitoring on. and stuff. Okay. But um, okay. it it's bizarrely it requires its own password to connect to my Wi-Fi network, and the passwords LG has provided oh, don't no. work. Oh, so no. that might be a call to LG customer service tomorrow, but mm. we'll see. Sometimes we'll in our see. smartness, we get dumb. Yes, you know, and I've also you know. got bunch of robot vacuums um in yeah. and coming in so over the next month or so <laughs> i'm gonna bombard the internet and my youtube channel with a whole bunch of robot vacuum reviews so okay. hit up uh, youtube.com slash aaron lawrence tv uh for the reviews and you can also find me at aaron l y y c on twitter if you want to ever check in or uh recommend any gadgets for me to review by the way too i love hearing from folks and jim your audience in particular has always given me really great suggestions so if anyone out there has a gadget they you know they want the lowdown or the real scoop on give me the suggestion i'm always looking for new things to review well i'm I have to monitor Twitter for work. So every morning, one of my tasks is to go out there and I, you know, I do my work stuff, but you show up and, you know, something you've reviewed that day shows up. And so I always try and give it a like just to make sure folks are seeing it or share it. Um, I, when it's appropriate, oftentimes I know it speaks right to this audience. And so I'll just reshare that. Is that what they yeah. call it on Twitter? Yep. And, uh, and it just gives everybody a great opportunity. So thanks for doing all that hard work for us in all, all the reviews in it. And you just, you're doing a great job. So thanks for, thanks, thanks for so much. Jim. I really appreciate that. Can you, can you hang tight with me here for one second while I close this up? Would that be okay? Uh, a couple of reminders. One, we want to remind um, everyone that uh, the uh, home gadget geeks and the average guy.tv powered by Maple Grove partners. If you're looking for secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know, and you trust, you know, that's Christian I actually have a cyber frontiers from Christian that, probably three weeks old that I need to get out this weekend. We'll be, we'll be pushing that out here to the cyber frontiers um, channel. But uh, if you need a site, Christian can set that up for you. 10 bucks a month. Infl we're fighting inflation there at Maple Grove partners. Hey, is inflation a huge problem in Canada? Is everything are you guys having? Yeah, we sure That's are. A, everything is global. way more expensive. I know it happened fast too. <laughs> like it was Probably just like, mainly. it's going to come to tech too. So fine. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. No, I'm, I, there's a couple things I've been having my eye on and I'm like, oh, I should probably buy it now before these prices go up. So, uh, maplegrovepartners.com if you want to take advantage. And I don't think Christian's planning on raising prices anytime soon. So we'll see how that goes. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. And we'd love to have you join us. If you're listening to this as a podcast and there's a bunch of you that do, We'd love to have you come out as well as join us Saturday. I've been trying to get these posted in a premiere status Saturday noon central, just a chance for us to get together. Last couple of weeks have been pretty thin, so I've gotten a little discouraged on it. But if you'd like to come out, it's not I'm going to cry or anything like that, but you guys don't love me. So, I mean, if you want to, because that's why we do this as influencers. We want you to love us. Right, Aaron? The, right. the love and the adoration or at least acknowledgement that you're out there. It does. It does feed the soul. I know. Let us know. I mean, like, okay. There's a. There's some folks listening live. You could click the like button right now. It costs you nothing. <laughs> nothing. Literally. Well, I mean, big depends for Gemini. Yeah. So click that like button before you go. We 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 always love it when we get some feedback. We'll be back uh, next Thursday, and uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, I've got a special guest. We're going to talk about some Wi-Fi speakers. That, you know, 
getting speakers, whole home speakers to work right on Wi-Fi. I don't know if that nut has been completely cracked yet by Google or Amazon on their devices or whatever. Maybe Sonos is doing it, but uh, but I've got a guy coming on who kind of did this as a, a behind-the-scenes project and will be kind of fun little entrepreneur to talk about that. That's coming up next week. So join us next week, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at the average guy.tv slash live. With that, let's say goodnight, everybody.